All righty, my friends, we are back with yet another... Another Wabasabi episode <laughs> of V8 Radio, Kevin. Wa- Wabasabi episode? Wabisabi. That is from the Japanese, meaning something that is perfect because it's just a little effed up. Oh, nice. It's Wabasabi. Yeah. Kind of like us trying to get connected tonight. That's right. A little Wafu uh, Wabasabi action. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, I dig that. So it's a Wabasabi episode of V8 Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Osti, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball clark And I think I've run out of uh, English overselling adjectives. I've had to span out to other countries now. So we are now an international show, Kev. Right on. I see that. That's. Uh, yeah. I, feel, I feel good about that. I do, too. We're really big in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I learned uh, we're actually big in Tennessee, so that's good. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. had a talk to a guy the other day who uh, listens and watches our videos and stuff and uh, wants to actually send us a car. And he said, yo, everybody in Tennessee knows you guys. Oh, right on. So well, we, thank you, Tennessee. Yeah, we welcome our Tennessee friends. And uh, uh, before we get too far down the road, um, I'm going to... I'm going to throw out a couple things real fast. First, some uh, uh, gratitude to our listeners because uh, we have a lot of people listening now. We really appreciate everybody sharing some time with us. Um, a big thank you to uh, my lovely wife, Kelly, who's been like a huge uh, promoter of this show this past week. I mean, she always is, but this week she took, yeah. a- took action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Overnight, our... our- our, our, our base increased dramatically. Yes. So she invited all of uh, her friends on Facebook to like our V8 Radio Facebook page. And um, boy, the numbers just skyrocketed. So thank you so much. And, and welcome to everybody who's new, who was, uh, you know, coerced by Kelly. I'm not sure what she threatened you with, but... <laughs> <laughs> Ponytail power knows no limits. Yeah, right, right, right. No, well, welcome aboard. And uh, I think we're holding strong on the iTunes thing. And yeah. uh, in the in the top twenty in the nineteenth slot mm-hmm. uh, for now uh, about a month almost yeah yeah a month yeah 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 we've been really hanging tough thank you everyone yeah yeah so if you uh, if you like the show and you want to subscribe do it on iTunes because that's uh, that might uh, help us uh, go after the number one slot of car talk and uh, oh they're going down they have not budged since the beginning of iTunes. They have not, and considering that one of the members is deceased, you would think yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be a hard topic to My God. To chase down. Well, you know, Elvis Elvis still continues to draw lots of revenue. This is true. Even though he's gone. So mm-hmm. I guess car talk is the Elvis of podcasts. It is. There's your there's your quote of the day. Yeah. Oh, my apologies to the Presley family. <laughs> that's, that's all right. No, I, I like Car Talk too. I'm a huge fan. But listen to that show forever. It'd be it's an yeah. honor to be in the same you know twenty with those guys. Yeah, right on. Yeah. All right. So typically on this show we uh, we start off with an automotive trivia question because this is V8 radio and the V8 doesn't refer to uh, tomato juice. It's, uh, it's nope. car stuff. Did you uh, happen to prepare a trivia question for this episode? I have got the mother of all trivia questions, and oh, I have no. to thank my lovely wife, Jennifer Clark, for coming up with this one. She really? is the bomb. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is this this one's amazing, I've got to say. Wow. So, uh, well, I'm a little bit in, I'm a little bit intimidated right now. I'm, I'm well, not. you should be, because this <laughs> one's going to blow your mind, man. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> 
Um, all right, Kevin, you know, you've been in the car business for the industry, as it were, for quite Minutes. some time. You're, yeah. Your life pretty much revolves around it. You've just seen some pretty cool cars, some really way out designs, some designs that are really out of this world. And there are some cars that are so far out of this world, they are actually on other planets. So, Kevin, my question to you is, how many cars are there on the moon? Hmm, that's a great, great question. And this scratches your love of space travel <clears throat> as well as cars. So, boom. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Boom, boom. I'm, I'm dropping the mic. I'm yeah. walking away. Very nice. <laughs> Much well, to the delight of most of our listeners. If I'm not mistaken, the very first lunar rover was launched uh, on the Apollo 12 mission, uh, which is interesting you, you bring that up because this, this past week, as a matter of fact, Kelly and I experienced the uh, Apollo 11 feature film that just came out. Right. Yeah, and We yeah, saw yeah. it in the IMAX theater, and there are many parallels, I think, between space travel and cars. Part of the deal is that was... 1969 and the, this particular film um the short version of this story is that the uh the filmmaker was tasked by cnn to to do this documentary and mm -hmm. and doing his research he found out that nasa was actually working with hollywood studios to produce documentaries about the whole apollo program really from wow. from apollo 8 up to 13 at least and they hired uh, cinematographers and Hollywood guys to shoot all this film. And they shot it on 70 millimeter, you know, wide format motion yeah. picture film. And at the end of the, the deal, um, 1972, they were going to start producing the film. But NASA determined that the, the country was kind of burned out on, on space at that point. Mm -hmm. So they, they didn't do anything with all the film. They boxed it up and put it away. And wow. the the film that most people see is all it's all eight mil millimeter stuff, uh, right. not not this widescreen format. And uh -huh. NASA didn't have any way to even look at it; they just put it on a shelf. Well, oh, wow. this late this latest crew um, unearthed, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. hundred and sixty five reels of film that are all seventy Whoa. millimeter. That oh my they can't say they've never been shown, but they've never really been edited or anything done with them. Right. 64 reels of that were on Apollo 11 alone. And that's the basis of this film that just came out. So it is a little tangent there, but but totally yeah, worth yeah. checking out. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that was 11 where we landed on the moon the first time. We, we went back in 12 and, and drove around. And I think there was probably another three or so missions that brought rovers. So I'm going to say a total of four Car a total type of vehicles. Four cars on the moon. On, on the moon is my guess. You know that's pretty forward-thinking stuff by NASA to to um, film that on real wide motion picture film in the in, to, to with a mindset to show that to the to the public in a, in a really cinematic format. So good on them. Well, it's yeah, too bad it took fifty years to see. Yeah, that that part kind of sucked. I mean, it's great that it's the fiftieth anniversary and it. If, if if you knew nothing about this mission and you watched this film, you'd be blown away just as much if you were an enthusiast like myself. Is that but right? Some of the other cool things are that there was 18,000 hours of audio recorded for this project. And, and all the audio in the film is, some of it is synced up to, to video for the very first time because they is were just right? 
tape recordings. So for the very first time, we see flight director Gene Kranz mm. see, see him and hear him say, we're go for landing on the moon. That video, the film existed but, and the sound existed. They'd never been married before. And I'll be darned. Yes, this project did all that, which is just, it's incredible. And another forward-thinking uh, element from NASA was that they had a public relations officer on each of the three shifts during the whole uh, Apollo 11 mission. And it was his job to narrate what he saw. So he was just sitting oh, there wow. with this kind of monotone voice. And I know you've heard the voice before, but it's like, and now the 11 crew is getting ready to touch down on the moon. You know, and, and you're just kind of recalling <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. And in the background, right. you've got the chatter of all the rest of the flight commanders and everything. But sure. that narration is the sole narration for this film as well. Is it? And that intermixed with Walter Cronkite, of course, because he was the oh, news, yeah. news anchor that covered a lot of it. Uh, and even the music is done in a period-correct Moog synthesizer. So it's all, it's all right on. Dig so. it, man. Yeah, I've been yeah. looking forward to seeing that. And, <laughs> and uh, I, went, I remember when you went and saw you and Kelly saw it on the IMAX, you were really blown away. That really got me even more excited about it. Yes, so. yes. Uh, you know, and of course, the other cool thing, astronauts are always cool, but, um, you know, many of them drove Corvettes, and there was a whole big story yep. about that. And uh, mm -hmm. those those Apollo 12 guys in particular, um, uh, Charles Conrad, uh, uh, Dick Gordon, and Alan Bean all had Riverside Gold 427 69 Corvettes with, mm. with a, a custom black kind of a wing paint job on them. And their uh, uh, their crew position initials in an emblem on the fenders, really. And and, and many people thought that they were given those cars, uh, uh -huh. but there was actually a dealership in Florida, uh, Jim Rathman Chevrolet, who created a one dollar lease program for the astronauts ah. because being you know national you know officers yeah. of the of the government, they couldn't accept right. gifts. So ah okay. Yeah, well, that's, I wonder what happened to those cars. Um, you know, those the gold ones. I think a couple of them are still out there, and then I think the Apollo 15 crew, Erwin um, uh, Warden and Dave Scott, had the red, white, and blue ones. So it was one guy had a red Corvette with a white and blue stripe. The next guy okay. had a white Corvette with a red and blue stripe. So they're all red, white, and blue. Uh, just the, the 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 base color of the car was the solid red, different. solid white, solid blue. Yeah, and then they, they mixed up the stripes. And I think a couple of those have been in auctions over the years. Man. Um, yeah, pretty neat stuff. Well, yeah, it is great stuff. I, I guess that all started with uh, with Alan Shepard, who was the, the first guy in space. He, Chevrolet actually gave him a 62 Corvette back then. And then hmm. that, that kind of... But, you know, Corvette's and astronauts. <clears throat> you're, you're flying around a tin can and driving around a piece of plastic. You know, it's all kind of... Yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy and and I, I i do before i get to my trivia question i know we're derailed yeah. again last time was world war ii now we're in space i mean i don't know what's yeah. going on here but uh oh this is great stuff it's so wabasabi it's it, crazy <laughs> <laughs> it is it is um i gotta thank you my friend for for providing me with a great book uh uh the chuck yeager oh yeah uh, autobiography that you sent me that uh you're right is very hard to put down and it's uh, yeah that is a great great book i like i told you i read it i was in the air force i was i was probably 21 when i picked that up and um 
I read it the whole, I, honest to God, this is a true story. I read it the whole flight over to Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War. Wow. Uh, my first trip over there, I had that. It was an 18-hour flight. I had my nose in that book for 18. Every available moment I had, I had my nose in that book. Good for you. It was amazing. Just amazing. I was so tired. For and, and and after we landed, when we got to our villas, I read it and I finished it, and I didn't sleep for two days re- reading that book. It was so good. <clears throat> well, and that's moving because it's four hundred and fifty pages or so. I mean, it's, oh yeah. Uh, so you were on the plane going to war, reading about Chuck Yeager getting shot down over yeah. France in World yeah, War Two, sure. yeah. How to get out of you know Nazi occupied France, basically, right? That, that's, yeah, I'm on a jet reading that. Like, oh, okay. Is that I a good good decision there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I was so dumb back then, it didn't even cross my mind that we might crash. Yeah, nice. Not, not well, even. At least you wouldn't have to fight off the Germans, you know. <laughs> right. Just the, just the sharks over the water. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so refocus. Back to uh, trivia. So, yeah. so that was a great so trivia Kev- question. Thank you. Kevin says four. All right. Yeah, and you, and you can thank your wife for that giant tangent there because oh you bet yeah she'll she'll be she'll be happy to hear that <laughs> i hope so mm-hmm. uh, all right so my trivia question to you pales in comparison every trivia question i, I not mean to toot my own horn every trivia question is going to pale in comparison to that whopper <clears throat> that was a good one well mine is <laughs> mine is the opposite is very very terrestrial okay uh, uh so we go from the cars on the moon to the uh the cars on the ground, and okay. uh, uh, my question to you is: What is the longest interstate highway in the United States? And the bonus: Where where does it start and stop? Dude, you need Jesus in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Who says I don't have Jesus in my life? It could be on the, on the dashboard on the drive on the yeah. longest interstate in the country. Longest. In- Interstate highway. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, so interstate, like an I number. Correct. You start with I for interstate. They were okay. Uh, part, I'm just part of the uh, Eisenhower interstate system. Right. Um, Design. Ooh, a little piece of trivia about that, about the Eisenhower interstate system. I think uh, one mile in every five has to be completely straight. To allow for a plane to land on it. That is a good piece of trivia, but it's false. It is not false! (laughs) Yeah. It is a myth that the one in five miles has to be straight for... But I read it! Well, you know where that came from? Uh, The Germans in World War II used their autobahns as runways on the straight sections. And, And I think that got perpetuated into the in, the United States interstate right. system. Well, not, that not that to piece say. of the show will be edited out, everybody, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> not, not to say that you can't well, land we'll an not, airplane in We'll not be hearing war. that part of the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that was part of the interstate process was to um, ensure that there'd be ample opportunities for troop movement or equipment movement. So, yeah, there, mm-hmm. is, a, there is a military subtext. Uh, what a oh man! Something that is true is there are sections of unmarked interstate that are purely designed for military operations. 
Is which that is, right? Which is interesting. But today we're just concerned with what's the long, with longest. The longest interstate highway in the United States. And where does it begin? And where does it end? Oh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Yeah, and I'll um, give you a little hint. You know, if you think of the, the map, you know. Yeah. Kind of the ones that go left to right or right to left are probably mm. the longer ones. And you drew probably on most appreciate of those, that. Yeah. Thank right. you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> um I'm gonna say it's um oh man. I'm gonna say it's I forty. Forty. Right 40. through the right through the heart. The heartland, yep. Um it's going to start, well, I mean, start or end in California and makes its way to Virginia. All right. Mike's guess is I-40, CA to VA. CA to VA. Cadva. <clears throat> All right, man. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be mm-hmm. next show's uh, overselling adjective? <laughs> it's Kadava. Kadava. <laughs> what are we, we just coined that? <laughs> we're Wabasabini. What are we? Wasonabi. <laughs> Fratzog. That's what Fratzog. we are. Fratzog. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, son of a bitch. Have I got a story for you, by the way? Yeah. Wabasabi. <laughs> Wabasabi. Wabisabi. Yep, yep, so, yep. long-time listeners of our show have heard the Fratzog story several times, and it's mm-hmm. a trivia question of what was the the Dodge uh, logo from the 60s and early 70s called, this little triangular mm-hmm. thing. And it's it was actually called a Fratzog, which, you know, was, it's a ridiculous name because some designer, they asked him, what do you call this thing? And he goes, I don't know, it's a Fratzog, and it's stuck, and that's the official name. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, as a matter of fact... Uh, we're we're buttoning up a 66 Charger in the shop. It's a beautiful car, medium blue, white interior, 383. We just did a mm. uh, roller cam swap on it and a few things. And a, and a customer comes in and he points to the logo in the grill and says, what's that? <gasps> and I said, that's a Fratzog. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> and he looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And well, uh, funny you say that because I got a text from one one certain uh, Trevor Spence mm. of a Fratzog that he oh. texted over to me. <clears throat> there you go. You got Fratzog on the brain. Yeah. It was that car Man. probably because uh, he was working in the shop. Uh, yeah. And walked right Probably's past it and thought enough to send it to you. How nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. All of our one of my faves. All of our team members are good people. Yeah, they are good people. Yeah. Speaking of good people, how about my best friend Chip Foose huh. being uh, named Builder of the Decade? Holy mackerel! At the at the Grand National Roadster Show. This is uh, that, that's quite an accomplishment. Obviously, Foose, yeah. you know, is well deserving. Um, mm-hmm. Have Have you washed that hand from SEMA yet? No. <laughs> no. 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 No, I'm having it encased in glass next week. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> that's very nice. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty serious. Builder of the decade, and uh, you know, it's interesting that these accolades are are given um, 
and and sometimes you wonder you know what what's the I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm not for them and I'm not against them. You know, I think it's Mm -hmm. good. Good. Obviously great to recognize talent and and have trophies and winners and all the rest of it. Um, When we start getting, you know, I guess the, the equivalent is, uh, you know, my car is a one of one because it was the only one that they forgot to put the ashtray liner in on the left side. (laughs) When we start to get down to like, you know, uh, complete minutiae. Right. The the, yeah. the best quarter panel lower trim sander of the past eight <laughs> months, you know, and, and we, we certainly haven't gotten there. But when I heard Builder the Deckhead, I thought, wow, somebody's really expanding the capacity for uh, recognition there, which is, uh, yeah. and not many people, you know, there, there's a lot of people who could be, you know, I guess a Builder of the Decade. You look at uh, Gene Winfield, he could have been the Builder of seven decades, you know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, it could be the Builder of the Century pretty soon. Right, how about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? How about that? So that was pretty cool. Chip is definitely a deserving guy for that, and i um, very happy to see him get that. Did you Did you actually see any of the kind of the presentation ceremony or anything? Or I didn't. I just I saw uh, a clip on YouTube about it real quick. Um, I didn't see any of it, so I'm not sure how that went down. Yeah, um, I'm sure he yeah, was I'm totally not... gracious and happy. And of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of course, my gosh, nothing rattles that guy. No, he's no. he's cool as a cucumber. <clears throat> so I'm just wondering if they have to wait ten more years before they give that award out again. Now, right. That, they see, just burned it up. <laughs> that, there you go. Right. So all these other people, you know, they got yeah. they got to wait. Unless it's the builder of you know, decade plus one. Right. You know. Well, it was the previous decade. Now next year will be the next decade. Yeah. So his will be the 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 next one will be the previous decade minus nineteen or two thousand and nine. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 Maybe Ten to twenty. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Right. Huh. Well, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see yeah. till the end of the decade, kids. <laughs> right. Well, last weekend was the uh, uh, Riddler Award at the Detroit Autorama. Right. And the car that won was a hybrid '59 Cadillac, made into a two-door wagon. Oh what, my gosh! What was your take on that particular vehicle? Um, I I wish I would love to give an opinion on it, but I. I missed that day in class. But 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 you, you, I, you are giving an opinion on it by your answer. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? Oh, well, yeah. the heck? I can't ask you about it then. I missed that. That's what I mean. I missed that day in class. I can't oh, give an opinion. All right, all right. Well, it, I it, totally, I spaced it out. It's been a um, it's been a controversial vehicle for sure, uh, because it's uh, Riddler cars are always you know on a different level uh people put um, untold amounts of time and, and I, I heard mm. this one was 15 years and two and a half million dollars come on right and oh my when gosh you think you know some people are over the moon just crazy about it they just think it's the greatest thing ever some mm. people some people i think they look at the time and money spent and go it could be better you know because they feel Maybe they could have done something better, or they um, mm-hmm. they feel another builder could have done something better. And then you have people who, you know, really just didn't like the car, which is okay too. You know, it's not mm-hmm. not built for them; it's built for the owner. Uh, but they used some interesting um, textures inside. There's there's multi tone wood in like the the wagon bed 
the, the station wagon bed. And mm-hmm. that carries through to the doors and on the dash. And a lot of people said, you know, Cadillac never would have done that. So I'm, I'm looking at it right now. All right. I just brought it go, up. There you go. That, so, that pink Cadillac. Right. The color got a lot of uh, um, uh, coverage, yeah. you know, both yay and nay. It's got a silver top with a pink color. Um, right. The roof is from a, like a 57 Nomad. So it, they went back a few years to get the roof to make the 59 Cad uh, station wagon. Um, I know designer friends of mine that are not happy with this car at all because the the design language um, it's kind of wabasabi, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> um, and, and, and I only think that they they the things that they've been saying have been that there were perhaps missed opportunities to really capitalize on this design. So, for example, if you were to do this car. It's kind of a what-if exercise of, you know, if Cadillac did a, a two-door wagon in 59, what would they do? Well, one, mm-hmm. one pointed out that they certainly wouldn't use a roof from a 57. They would have designed mm. a 59-style roof. And the fun is, what would that have looked like? Mm. So I can see that. So embrace what Cadillac was doing at the time in their design studios and adapt it to this car rather than just grab available things, put them together, and end up with it that way. So... Um, yeah, well, it's it's an interesting looking car. Yeah, and it's also like a thousand horsepower Nelson Racing twin turbo six thirty two or something. I mean, so wow. it's, it's got things that again you wouldn't normally associate with a very deluxe looking car mm-hmm. uh, being high powered. But but that's what makes it fun. And at the end of the day, right? Um, I can't say anything. I've never built one. Never competed. You know, at that level. Right. Um, is it what I would have done? No, uh, I've had mm-hmm. some ideas for uh, some phantom wagons like that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm just happy that this car got built and that, uh, uh, you know, our hobby and industry is, is strong enough to support these kind of projects uh, right. so that, you know, jerk offs like you and I can, you know, comment on them. <laughs> they can bag on them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right on america (laughs) full full disclosure uh, you know if anybody sees any of our vehicles and they they have something to say about them you're more than welcome you know it's really all about Mm. the builder and the and the owner you know of course we try to make things that have mass appeal but true true Mm -hmm. yeah that is that is that is an interesting design yes hmm i'm not sure how i feel about it yet well, you, you know, you got to the end of the show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to start, to start feeling it. Start, start formulating an opinion, Michael. Mm. Well, oh so my the, goodness. You know, the crazy thing is, is at that level, this is like the most extreme uh, example of personalizing a car, right? And we've seen in years past people that have designed cars and built them for this competition or mm-hmm. other very high level cars that are so personalized that there's only going to be a few people that are totally in love with it. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you have things like a 67 Mustang convertible that everybody loves, you know? Right. And and I think the, the difference is that millions of people have had personal experiences with a stock looking 67 Mustang. But right now the only personal experiences with that Cadillac are the guys that built it. And now the people that have experienced it that show so it doesn't have this broad appeal. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and that's the, a good point. the bummer is, you know, 
everybody always has to talk about the money. And I brought it up. I said it was a two and a half million dollar car. Yeah. Would you get that out of it if you sold it? And it's like, no, no, you wouldn't. And and obviously it wasn't built to sell. You'd maybe get 10% out of it, I think. Uh, who knows? Um, yeah. But that's why I think, you know, we have people that ask us, it's like, you know, would you build one of those? Uh, and, and I think from a creativity standpoint, we would love the opportunity, you know, yeah, if you had sure. an opportunity to just do whatever you wanted. But I don't think I would be comfortable straying, you know, 180 off the mark. I think I would do whatever I could to capture and, and expand upon the elements of a particular car that had familiarity and had that experience shared element, just make it nicer and better. Mm-hmm. so that people still recognize it and they go oh man and, and the great thing is when you know you've got a full custom whatever a camaro or a, we're on a mustang for this example yeah and you've changed everything on it and people still get it oh i love those you know they don't know right. that every subtle yeah. thing has been improved sure it still has that draw so right. oh yeah yeah i'm i'm can't disagree with that at all yeah yeah that's that is that is an interesting car <laughs> I'm still looking at it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, I can't, I, uh, I, I don't necessarily hate it. I don't necessarily love it. Right. Um. I mean, I, I, it's different. It's definitely different. Um. I mean, there's, I mean, I like '59 Cadillacs. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen, obviously, obviously, never seen a '59 wagon. Um. But I have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's all right. You know, you don't have to I mean, know. it doesn't... There's, there's no not, right answer. It's not... Yeah, it's not polarizing to me one way or the other right now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I'm mm-hmm. sure seeing it in person, there are elements of, you know, the build quality that are probably unbelievable. And... Uh, yeah. And, and that right. has to be acknowledged. Um, yeah. I mean, I can appreciate the, the time and effort that went into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, money notwithstanding. That, that took a lot of work. A yes. lot of really skilled labor to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a and a and a, and a good eye to get everything lining up, um, like it is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think it's cool for that reason, just for all the all the effort that went into it. <clears throat> well, you can marinate on that for a little while. And, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, yeah, we'll see what what stands up at the end. Uh, and I got 67 Mustang on the brain because, uh, we're sending one home tomorrow, which we're very happy about. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Uh, a great customer, great friend of mine, a guy that I've known since seventh grade. No way. Yeah. His name is Steve. He actually listens to the podcast. Uh, so. Hey, right on Steve. Steve is, uh, in the Chicago area and he's had this 67 convertible for a while and, he called it the Rustang. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, everybody's called it Mustang the Rustang at one yeah, time. Yeah, and he wasn't kidding. Um, it's a blue convertible, <laughs> two eighty nine car, automatic. That um, it's another one of those projects that that came to us for you know maybe a tune up and some suspension work and a few improvements, and we got it in the shop and put it on the rack and went, yeah, this is this yeah. is kind of what we found here. Oh boy. And he was understanding, and and he likes the car a lot, and really wanted to um, to keep it and and improve it. So um, we ended up doing another bottom side restoration. Oh, is that right? Tail pan to firewall, uh, you know, front aprons, front frame rails, all all that sheet metal came out. Put all new steel wow. underneath. Yeah, big project. Oof. 
Yeah. And he didn't want to go so far as a full frame off repaint. You know, mm. it just wasn't in the cards or the or the budget, quite frankly, at right. this point. Um, but it all went back together beautifully, and now he doesn't have a rusty Mustang anymore. He has a solid foundation now he to sure do whatever does. he wants now. Yeah, and we yeah. were able, along the way, um, sometimes parts that we're not going to use on other projects, you know, we hang on to that stuff and find new homes for certain things. That's so great. So we did that uh, uh, 5.0 Coyote Bronco a while ago, and it donated it's uh it had a 302 roller cam small block ford in it it was a very okay. it was, you know good motor for all intents yeah. and purposes so the 289 that was in the mustang uh was leaking and it had some compression issues and it was kind of getting tired so the 302 from the bronco found its way into the mustang and all right you know looks the part and everything and we put some new interior pieces in the car had a new convertible top done you know the, the team did a tune-up on the ignition and brakes and and i drove it today and it's wonderful oh nice oh, oh he's gonna love it yeah he, i i really hope so he, he I, I sent him pictures of the car today and and it's getting loaded on the transport tomorrow morning uh and it's going home just in time for probably another snowstorm in chicago <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but probably it, uh, it had sat for um probably a solid week or two two weeks maybe since we'd moved it and we hit the key and it lit right off so that's awesome it's uh it'll Amen. be it'll be ready to rock uh with a nice new top and comfy interior and he'll uh, be able to enjoy it all summer and for many years to come so thank you steve it's uh, i love these stories and, and i told him today too i you know i said i understand that this one became a bigger project than anybody anticipated and he said well don't they all <laughs> Uh, and in many ways he's right, but, uh, yeah, it's our mission to make sure that if a, if a, a project does grow, that everybody knows why. And, you know, at that point yeah. he, he could have said, no, I don't want to do it. We would have been, we would have been fine with that. You know, right. he, he wanted to go with it and, and our guys were happy to bring it around. So maybe someday he'll, um, he'll repaint it. If not, he can go drive this and, and not worry about getting a chip chipped or scratched in the, the you know, the local parking lots. Right. It's yeah, just, you can really enjoy it. Yeah, it's just nice yeah. enough on the outside. <clears throat> you know, it's all one color and it's blue and it looks pretty good. So he he um, and I'm I'm underselling the car. It looks really good. You know, even uh-huh. for a for an older paint job, it's held up pretty well. Uh, good. But it drives so much nicer than it looks, which is great. That's 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 fantastic. Oh, that's a that's a good story. Yeah. Right on. Love those. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what I really wanted to talk to you about is that Dodge pickup that mm. you have in your shop that you're putting that uh, that Benz diesel engine in. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, it's amazing, and I've been a little slow to uh, to to share that one because I'm not sure it's going to happen. No. Yeah. Well, I'll give you some back background on the on the the project. So. There's a, uh, a gentleman who lives, I don't know, about an hour from us, and he's had this 47 Dodge pickup truck. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's restored. It's red, black fenders, looks great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a neat old truck. And his wife was driving a 2006 uh, Mercedes E-Class CDI diesel, and she loved this car. And it's a beautiful mm-hmm. shape. I think it's got 200,000 miles on it, but you'd never tell. And that CDI, it's the, um, 
The engine family is called an OM648, I believe. It's 3.2 liters. It makes like 226 horsepower, 379 foot-pounds, turbo diesel, and it's Oops. a straight six, and it pushes yeah. this Benz down the highway at 40 miles per gallon. <sighs> and an E-Class is the midsize, so it's not a little yeah. car, you know. Right. And uh, they got to the point where they didn't want, uh, you know, a 200,000-mile car anymore, and they, she wanted something... Uh, they ended up getting a Jeep, like a Grand Cherokee type thing. Uh, okay. Something that's a little bit easier to get in and out of for them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a little more functionality. Well, the dealer was going to give them like 1500 bucks for this Benz. Come on. Correct. And it just... God dang it. It inflamed our customer uh, so much that he's like, no, I am not trading it in. And I yeah. like the way this runs. And I'll have these guys put this diesel in my old truck. Yeah. And that'll be the end of it. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, he brought us, he first stopped in and we talked to him about it. And I didn't, you know, you don't really know how serious people are in the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, but then a while later, he brought the truck and the car, dropped them both off. And he said, you know, see what you think. So uh, our guys were, were going crazy over this thing. Oh, uh, yeah. For the chance to mate these two together. And, it would be a combination of the Benz diesel engine and automatic transmission mm. mated with a custom drive shaft and then using all the the axles and wheels and tires from the Dodge. So it would look like nothing ever happened, you know, until you open the hood. Right. And I actually found out that we, we were very scared of the electronics on this thing from a, uh, uh, a workable standpoint because... Rightly so. Yes, because today everything is integrated together. So, for example, we've done um, engine swaps where if, if, the, if the original key isn't used, the theft yeah. deterrent system doesn't work and you can't start it. Right. And you can get around it, but it's going to be, you know, $1,000 in programming and, you know, $2,000 custom harness and it just, it all yeah. adds up. Mm-hmm. And on the GM and Ford and, and more common cars, we, we kind of know our way around a lot of that stuff. This one, it's a foreign job. You know, it's a German operating system, and it's a little bit different. Yeah. But we learned that there's a guy in Seattle who does these transplants. And he said, it's actually not that hard. You need, the, you need to use the key. You need to right. use the original shifter. There's a, wow. uh, a steering interlock in the column. Uh, uh-huh. I believe for theft that has to be transplanted into the vehicle. Um, and then you need the, the ECM and that's really about it. If you have those elements, yeah, right. you can turn the key and it'll start. Um, it doesn't need to see the body control module. It doesn't need to see the gauges. It doesn't need to see all this other stuff. So he said, really, it's not that bad of a job. Oh, nice. And the CDI is a direct injection diesel, which means, sure. It's got like a 20,000 PSI pump at the mm-hmm. nozzles in the engine. But to feed that, you can put any old electric fuel pump in the tank and just deadhead it, just have it push fuel forward. and then To the high-pressure pump, right? Right, yeah. And the engine right. up front yeah. will regulate it, so you don't even need to deal with that. So that's pretty easy. So we started What's getting... What's the hold up? Right. We started getting wound up thing, saying, hey, this, uh, this could work. A very interesting um, engineering challenge that uh, this guy in Seattle has overcome and told us about is that 
on the bends, there's individual wheel speed sensors at all four corners. And sure. that's how it knows how fast the car is going. It tells it when to shift and all that jazz. Okay. Well, what this guy does is he ditches all those sensors and he puts a, uh, a speed sensor on the drive shaft. So right. the, um, and then there's a, a converter box that allows it to uh, communicate with the CAN bus network of the uh, engine ECM. Mm. And he said, if you hook that up, it will shift at the proper RPM. It'll drive just like it did in the Benz car. Wow. Without monkeying with the wheel size and gear ratio, just because it's all basing its input on, on the drive shaft speed. On the drive shaft speed, yeah. So we thought, well, that's pretty cool. So we're, we're getting yeah. there. The downside comes in when we physically try to fit that engine in the Dodge because oh. it's very long. It's a long straight well, six. The, the Dodge nose is kind of long, isn't it? It is. Um, we would have to move the radiator forward inside the, the nose of the grill. Okay. And when we started kind of doing the math to, to put the crank center line, you know, kind of where the original flathead is and integrate that shifter and, and all those things that we're talking about uh-huh. and take all that stuff out of the bends, um, yeah. there's time and, and labor there. We're pretty confident that we can do it. We just think it's going to take uh, a lot more time than he's anticipating. Mm. Just say, come on, man. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right, right. Well, we don't end- do these things because they're easy. We do them because they're, they're hard. Because they're hard. Yeah, thank you, JFK. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, again, we're not, we're not afraid of that, except if the whole point of this is to spite some dealer that was going to give them $1,500... You know, and now it, it's going to cost them fifty grand to do, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I don't, I don't even know that. Right. That becomes a concern. So, because we're problem solvers, um, we worked it backwards and said, you know what, the blue book on this Benz is probably closer to five grand than fifteen hundred. Uh-huh. So, if you want a more modern driveline in your Dodge truck. And you don't want to get ripped off on the Benz. What if you sell the Benz or we help you sell it at a more standard market value? And let's put a Cummins diesel in the old Dodge. Mm. And that has parts that are readily available. It's not reinventing yeah. the programming wheel. Um, and we could get, you know, and, and one of our guys, Caleb, one of our technicians, uh, expressed interest yeah. in buying the Benz. So, I mean, we might even have a home for it already. Holy cow. Right on. So, yeah. Well, all right. All right. No. All right. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Yeah. So it's not quite the, uh, you know, the weird, convoluted yeah. Daimler Chrysler <laughs> product. That really, I, I got to tell you, that really turned me on when I saw that. I'm like, that is, oh, man. I, I was just, just could taste all the engineering that it would have to go into that. Yes. I'm like, and, oh, this is going to be great. It would it would have been really, really cool. Um, and, yeah. and who knows? It, it might still happen. So we, we haven't presented, right. you know, the customer with our, our program yet. But that's that's part of what we do, you know, is have to yeah. uh, have our customers' best interests at hand and not just start on it and, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. And it not be palatable to him because, you know, we're not mm-hmm. building a Riddler car. We don't have an open checkbook on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I really dig the, um, the, the, some of these oddball projects you've been getting. I mean, the what, what first thing that comes to mind, of course, is the Murata that you did a while ago. Yep. 
this this Dodge truck and and then the Metro. The, yeah, the Metro van. And the 61 Metro van is yeah. uh is running now. It's uh Is it? It's really only a couple weeks from being done. Yeah. Um Get out of here. That's awesome. So the the Tahoe chassis swap went very smoothly uh because Trevor did it and I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, no seagull flying over there, baby. Yeah, right. The reality is, uh, we have such talented people that make all this stuff look easy, even to the rest of us in the shop. And and many Mm -hmm. times, it is definitely not easy. uh, And it's Mm -hmm. a it's an indicator of their level of talent and vision and ability. And we had all kind of discussed the plan, obviously, of using that chassis. But but Trevor um, did the vast majority of the work himself on that, and um, and. It's gonna sing. So it runs now. It, it 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 runs like a champ. It's so quiet. It's weird. I mean, it's just like oh, like that a, is weird. A new Tahoe, you know. So he's finished <laughs> finishing connecting the dots on the steering. The brakes are in place. Uh, um, so shortly, it will be uh, it will be a fully functioning finished project. And I think um, it's it's pretty much on target with budget at this point, which is good. Uh, yeah, which is that's al- great. Always a challenge, and Trevor's been concerned with that. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, uh, not to, you know, to pick on him this whole time because, you know, in every department, all of our team members are doing just brilliant work. We just finished mm-hmm. up that uh, LS3 uh, Monte Carlo SS. I shared a picture of a white one a little while ago. Oh, yeah. And that was an interesting project because it's definitely not the first time an LS motor went into Monte Carlo. Uh, but the customer yeah. had been amassing parts and he sent us all the parts and said, can you put this together? And, and typically, because of our experience, we like to be able to select the parts. So we had a few that weren't right. The radiator wasn't right for the application. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple things kind of added time to the project, um, including the oil pan. The oil pan, a, a Holly changeover pan got put on it to fit in the car. And mm-hmm. it turned out that there was some kind of issue where it actually was contacting a, uh, a rod bearing, a rod cap. Oh boy! And ticking, so oh man, we had to go backwards on that because we didn't put that together, you know. So we would have known right. on the stand. Uh, but at the end of the day, Mike, um, our uh, uh, technician, did uh, a lot of the legwork on that car, a lot of finish work on it, and the customer mm-hmm. wanted it to be quiet. Here's another one that's quiet. Mm-hmm. And I got a ride in that car for the first time today since it's been fully buttoned up. And it sounds almost exactly like my buddy's old 87 305 car that we talked about. Is that right? Yeah, we talked about on our V8 radio music show a while back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get in this thing and start it up, and it's got this idle and the sound in the cabin that just sounds like a regular small block Chevy Monte Carlo SS. Yeah. And Uh that car had a specific exhaust back in the day, and my buddy put Flowmasters on his. And in this case, we put a, a Magnaflow kit on it, but added uh, resonators up front to bring the noise level down, and, and um, right. it's great. It's super solid. It, it runs perfect. It you know it's a great great car. So what, what do you think about uh, when you get into a, like a, a kind of a hot roddy car and it's really quiet like that? Well, because yeah, I mean, n- normally you you expect it to be kind of loud and rumbly and really make a ruckus. Well, what's it like when it's really quiet? What I like is the split personality cars, and uh-huh. this Monte Carlo definitely wakes up on the volume side when you put your foot down. Is that right? Yeah. So that's great. Um, that is great. What I find is my own preference is I like to use the car as much as I can, 
mm-hmm. which means I don't always want it screaming at me. Uh-huh. I want to be able gotcha. to listen to the person next to me. I want to be able to listen to my yeah. music. But when when I want to have fun with it, I want to know that there's something going on. Uh-huh. So sometimes that means installing cutouts. Uh-huh. Sometimes that means um, Magnaflow mufflers in particular have an ability to to uh, dampen some of the obnoxious tones and then let everything out when you you know okay. really really lean on them and they sure. do a great job at it so that's one of the reasons why we like those so much is they they offer hmm. that ability uh but you know uh i talked to a potential customer today who want, wants a car with uh, over 800 naturally aspirated horsepower so that's going to be high compression big cam it's going to make noise all the time did he did he say what his engine size limitation is um, we haven't really gotten that far into it yet. It's probably going to be a big block Chevy of some sort. Well, yeah, I'm going to say you could probably get like an aftermarket, like 632 cubic inch big block. Yeah. And not have to stress it too badly to make that kind of power. No, no, I'm not really worried yeah. about making the power. Um, it's yeah. more of managing it when you're not using it. Right. Yeah. You know, cause if you're going to go to the, the burger stand, and you're idling and loping this thing that really wants to go, you know, that's mm. when that's when things get a little bit stressful. Yeah. The reason why I asked that question originally was uh, I was at a, at a, at a, I think it was at my GTO show a number of years, probably five, six years ago, and there was a 66 GTO there that had just started, just, the car just started. It was driving off the show field, and this car must have been bone-dry original stock. It even had the original, or I don't know if the original, but it had resonators on it after the mufflers. And this was the quietest GTO I've ever heard in my life. And it was almost off-putting because every car you ever hear now, you know, either it has headers and, you know, uh, not much in the way of mufflers and it's really loud and, and you really can hear it from far away. But this thing... I mean, was so quiet. It, it sounded like a modern car. It was amazing yeah, at how yeah. quiet this thing was. Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that when those cars were new, they weren't very loud. Right, right. And that, that was my point. I mean, everyone, like, day two them and, you know, and ditched the resonators and put louder mufflers on there, put headers on it and, you know, crossover pipes or X-pipes or whatever and, you know, jacked them up and did all their day two mods and really turned them into a big hot rod. Right. Instead of the stock car they were when they came off the showroom floor. I mean, even, you know, when we shoot Muscle Car of the Week and we'll be standing in the Brothers Collection and, and fire up a perfectly correct original 426 Hemi car, mm-hmm. like a Coronet or one of the bigger ones, a Roadrunner right. or something. And you're like, that's it? You know, the <laughs> the, the, uh, the valve train makes more noise than the exhaust half the time. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and... and you know, I almost think that, um, I mean, of course, the manufacturers had to have a, a, a noise concern. You know, they, right. they couldn't be putting open header cars out. Mm-hmm. But but I think they knew, you know, everybody was going to rip this stuff off because it robbed mm-hmm. power and sound and everything. And, of course, another, you know, previous trivia question. Of course, the Pontiac guys had the Humbler exhaust. Right. Dual That's mode. That's right. Uh, exhaust. That's right, man. The loud. How many were there? Like 122? Yeah, I missed that it by the, four or something. Am I guess? Yeah, you were you were really <laughs> close, man. Yeah, I was sweating. I was sweating real for real. Yeah. Yeesh. Well, speaking of low number Pontiacs, we've got one coming in the shop. I'm hoping on Monday. 
uh, it's been a, another victim of weather. Uh, it's a Midwest guy that uh, our weather has been, this winter has been very long. And, yeah. and I've got all these people on the phone. They're like, yeah, as soon as it warms up, I'm bringing you a car. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we don't get, you know, just completely uh, bum rushed with cars. But this one's mm-hmm. coming in Monday. It's a 76 Trans Am LE which is a really? 455 car from the factory, Four, 455 HO. And really? I think there was uh, 300 hard tops made and 100, 100 T-top cars. Hmm. And, and it's a uh, 411 four-speed. Holy cow. All original number. Factory 411s? Car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, from I what I that rips. From what I've been told, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, but at the same time, it's probably kind of miserable getting somewhere but well, I, yeah but i bet it's a lot of fun to drive <laughs> yeah 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 there's that yeah if you, if you have to go higher, faster than 40 miles an hour you're probably going to get your your fillings rattle out of your teeth and right. your eardrums you know bust blown out and right and all that stuff yeah i but get it this is going to be a cool project because um again this guy's never going to sell this car uh but mm-hmm. we are tasked with putting a uh, a holly sniper quadrajet fuel injection system on it okay. and the holly sniper quadrajet is a throttle body design that came out with last year that has the spread bore of a quadrajet instead of a square bore of a holly oh wow and it, it'll drop on his stock manifold um that's an ho car so it has a functioning shaker hood scoop mm-hmm. with the door so that will be in the right spot because that's always a concern um and we're going to take the original tank down and set it aside and just put a brand new reproduction tank with the fuel module in it and everything. And Nice. We will not alter this car in any way, you know. Oh, yeah, man. And he will be able to turn the key and go, which is great. Right on. He watched our video of doing that 78 Trans Am a couple of years ago on, on YouTube and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and called, like, as soon as he got done watching it. He's like, I think I need this. So... I think he's right. Well, it's all to help him enjoy the car. And he said he only got to drive it a few times last year because it wouldn't start. And then he took mm-hmm. the, the quadrajet off and sent it to somebody, and they didn't do a great job with it. And, you know, he's got all his time in it, and it's just not, not doing what he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we will, of course, keep all those original parts with the car and send them home. And, uh, and I, I kind of planted the seed and said, uh, you know, is there anything else that you're thinking about on this thing? You know, we, we've talked about this before. We call it might as well syndrome. Right. You know, when a car comes in and they go, well, it's there. You might as well do this and do that. Right. Which is great, but it sometimes can disrupt our planning for getting the next customer in because now this one is here longer and longer, which is, like I said, it's wonder, It's a great problem to have. Yeah. Um, but we're always trying to figure out what really the goal is so maybe we can help plan for that. Yeah. Um, and I said... Uh, you know, what, what, what do you think about this thing? And he's like, you know, because that 410 or 411 rear end, yeah. a, uh, a five-speed overdrive might be kind of nice, too. Uh, Boom. Because it is a four-speed from the factory. And mm-hmm. the cool thing there is that we could reuse the pedal and the Z-bar and the clutch and the bell housing and just yeah. drop the four out, put a Tremec TKO in, shifter will come through the same hole. Yeah, splines that would help match. a lot. Oh, it'd make him, believe yeah. me, can you it imagine? Would, the would f- be a totally different car. Fuel injection and overdrive and that thing, and yeah. keep, keep that gear, it would be insane. Yep. Yep. That's got to happen. Super fun. Well, so we're, we're uh, trying to get a handle on 
you know, what the, the cost would be for that for him. Um, mm-hmm. So he can make that decision if he wants to do it or not. He wants to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, if it fits. If it fits, but tell you all are. Yeah. So how's my uh, my favorite project in the V8 Speed and Resto Shop doing? How's that coming along? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. Would that be that the Black 72 Cuda? <laughs> You're close. <laughs> well, well, uh, let's see. Would it be the 79 Trans Am with the LS? Uh, it's the 55 F100 we just brought in with the Coyote. Bingo. God damn it. Oh, you mean the... The, uh, the Tyrol Blue 67 yeah. GTO. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, it is doing really well. It is just getting ready uh, to get some final sanding to go uh, get sealer and color on the outside. So the jams are all painted. You saw pictures of that. All the yep. sheet metal's on. It runs and drives the Fitech uh, Pontiac 400 fuel-injected motor. Yeah. It is, uh, it's a complete vehicle right now. Uh, without the glass in the interior, basically. Cool. <clears throat> it's got a Dakota digital dash in it at this point. That looks right. Good. Um, looks clean. You know, obviously it's not correct original gauges, but it's clean looking. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you noted our uh, our recent expansion. This is one that we want yep. to make sure our, our new paint facility is, uh, you know, 100% up to speed uh, before we run that one through. Gotcha. And... and the, the story there is that as we uh, moved into this shop, it's got a, a, a blow therm baking downdraft paint booth in it, but mm-hmm. we um, felt the obligation to clean and replace all the filters and, and all of the, uh, um, some of the airlines. We, we actually put a new compressor in it uh, mm-hmm. and, and just to make sure that we're getting everything we can out of this operation. Right. So it's we've been. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a, in a collision shop, and for their uses, everything was fine. But we want, we want, we're trying to ratchet quality up everywhere we can. Sure. Oh yeah. And uh, so Jeff, our painter, and uh, Jonathan, one of our uh, shop techs, Jonathan spent a bunch of time. They actually repainted the whole inside of the booth, sanded it all down, made it all nice and bright white. Uh, nice. we, we had a, a booth guy come in and and dial in all the damper doors and air handlers and stuff for the, uh, the air evacuation system. And, um, it's spotless now. And Jeff eased into it, the painter and, and started spraying smaller parts and making notes and analyzing airflow. And we had a guy come in with all these airflow meters all over the place to measure nice. that everything's doing what it's supposed to do. So, so far the things that he sprayed and I shared a picture yesterday of some primered parts for that duster, the duster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, primer normally isn't supposed to be shiny. Uh-huh. Uh, but the bodywork is so flat on this and the spray out was so uniform that he he sprayed them, he baked them, they're dry and they are shiny as pr- wow. in primer. So I'm so excited to see how the color process goes and the clear on uh, on that duster and then of course the GTO. So that that's going to be that's going to be a huge win for our customer that his car came through mm-hmm. during this time. Which isn't to say that our guys weren't able to do high quality work in the past. Um, but now it's right. a, it's definitely a more controlled environment and it's uh-huh. better tools for the job. So nice. That duster's been in there a while, hasn't it? That, that one had a lot of sheet metal done to it, that, didn't it? Uh, poor duster had everything done to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember seeing that when the thing was it was cut open pretty severely yeah and the last time when paul and i were down there when we learned to weld 
Right. I think it was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's you know there's there's uh, a finish line you know in in the crosshairs for that one too. Sure. And uh, it's it's going to be insane. Uh, and I think it's another example of some of these cars that you know when they come in. You, I can, I have the ability to kind of envision the final product and and say that's going to look really nice. What mm-hmm. I don't envision is how much care our team takes at every step, mm. and they just keep making it nicer, 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 and then pretty soon you're like, wow, yeah, that's mm. that's super nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is a, again a, a wonderful thing to happen, as opposed to the opposite, where it's like, well, what happened to this car? You know, that that, that doesn't right. happen. It's always everything's always nicer than you know what I'm uh, anticipating. So that that's really sure. great. That is really great. Yeah, those guys, they do good work. Yes. They do good work. They really do. put it mildly. Yeah, we're very thankful for it. So uh, I know that th- there was a couple tangents in this episode, but I'm sure people are dying to know the answer to our trivia questions. They are dying to know. They are dying to know. All right, here we go. As am I. I. Asked you- yeah. <laughs> I asked you how many cars... Around the moon, sir. And you told me, let's see, you said what, like Apollo 12 or 13? and Not 13, uh, 12. And then I think two more after not that. Not 13, oh, shoot. Didn't, didn't make it. My yeah. guess was four. Whoops. My backup guess is, t- is two, but uh, four okay. is my official answer. Well, Kevin, you were, you, were, you were pretty close with four. There are a total of five cars ah, on the moon. Ah, man. There were three by the United States, and two by the Soviets. Aha! In fact, the Soviets were actually the first to put a car on the moon. They have a remote control car they put there in 1970 with their mission Luna 17, and then again in 1973 with Luna 21. And the Americans put it in there with uh, from 1971 and 72 with Apollos 15, 16, and 17. So I was wrong on my guess with twelve too. Correct. Yeah, I mean you were close with the total number. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think you took the Soviets into account on that one. I certainly didn't, and and you cleverly framed it to where yeah. I wouldn't have considered that. So I. Uh, well, you know, I'm. It's my. I'm taking a lesson from the Kevin Osi school of trivia <laughs> question asking. <laughs> Leave you down a primrose uh, path and a whatcha gotcha. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's not what you take out. It's what you leave in. Uh-huh. Uh, very nice. All right, well, I lose. Speaking of that. <laughs> Speaking of losing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, so the question to you was, what is the longest <laughs> interstate in the United States? And the bonus, yeah. where does it start and stop? And mm-hmm. your guess was I-40 from mm-hmm. CA to VA. Mm-hmm. In fact, the, lo- the longest interstate is I-90. I, God dang it's, it. It's in I your would... own backyard. It is in my own backyard. Thank you very much you for mentioning that. Yeah, and it runs, uh, if you're going to go the direction that you went, which was west to east, it starts in Seattle and goes okay. to Boston. She whiz. 3,020.54 miles. I was going to say I-92, but I'm like, nah, too easy. Uh, yeah. 
And then I guess the second is, is I-80, which is also in your backyard. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, which is 2,900 yeah. miles. But um, there you go. Son of a biscuit. Yeah. I-40, you let me down. <laughs> You're not the first one to say that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I used to travel I-40 when I lived in, in Oklahoma. Yeah. Ah, darn it. Yeah, we take I-40 out to Vegas for, for SEMA, 40 to 70, and then down to 15, and so, uh, so there you go. Um, well, again, this one kind of raced by. I, uh, <laughs> I ap- yeah. apologize to our listeners uh, for the <clears throat> tangents, but uh, tried to keep it a little contextual. We did talk about cars this time. <laughs> cars on the moon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We, we are not only international, we are now interplanetary. That's right. Inter- we're really big on the moon. Intergalactic. Really big on the moon. The moon in Tennessee. We're huge. Yeah, the moon in Tennessee. <laughs> that sounds like a country song. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> so, again, uh, we appreciate everybody for listening and uh, uh, sharing some time with us. Uh, oh, a little distribution news. We've been, we've been pumping the iTunes thing quite a bit, but we are now available on Spotify as well. That's right. Which yes, is, sir. Uh, pretty cool. So for those who use the Spotify app on their phones or, or whatever device, uh, you can look us up there now. Of course, iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. You're always welcome to come to our Facebook page uh, and like uh-huh. that, like Kelly just But go said. to iTunes. But go to iTunes. <laughs> go, to, go to iTunes. <laughs> but go to iTunes. <laughs> like, uh, like Facebook and then go visit us on iTunes. Don't forget about iTunes. Right. And, of course, V8Radio.com. And uh, the fun thing is we, we do put up a picture for each episode on Facebook and on VA Radio. So if you're listening to one of the others and you've not seen our themed image, um, iTunes only puts the V8 Radio logo, which is, it's cool, but it's not as entertaining as the picture and the other ones. But True. Spotify, True. Spotify does the picture, too. I had an idea uh, because when, uh, when Jennifer gave me that trivia question, um, if if our listeners would like us to answer or ask a trivia question of theirs, maybe they should message because because we because Kevin and I like to not know what the other trivia question is. So mm-hmm. if you want one of us to ask your trivia question, maybe direct message one of us uh, through Facebook would probably be easiest or or your email if you want to give that. Um, or my or my Facebook instant message, and we'll read your question on the air. Yeah, right on. And we'll get that Please provide too. the answer as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it could be something where, uh, you know, I like where you're going with this. I think what he's trying to say is, if you guys send us questions and answers, then we don't have to look these up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to involve our, our listeners more. <laughs> well, I, and I've been trying to, you know, the, the trivia question thing, I would love to involve the listeners, but it's a little tricky because we can say... Let's throw a question out for the listeners, and then you can post your answer. But that allows them to look it up. Right. You know, when, right. We, when we do this, we are not looking these up. We are just... Exactly. I mean, I mean the answers. We're, you know, we might right. look up the question. But. So, no, but my point is, if they if they message us privately... Right. We could, we could give it out for the rest of the listeners. And we could maybe as have well them... As well as our co-host. Maybe at uh, this episode, we could ans- ask a question and provide the answer next time. And people can guess along the way. Oh, there's that. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, there's that. But they can still look it up. That's true. See, that's that darn internet yeah. thing. Yeah. Love it. It's gone it. to the days of Encyclopedia Britannica. Or knowing anything on your own, yeah. Or knowing anything <laughs> on your own. Look it up. Look it up, Michael. Google look it, it up. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, this was uh, this was fun. This was a good one. Yeah, this was a great one. I enjoyed this. Yeah. 
Uh, hopefully our new listeners enjoyed it as well. And uh, I guess we will do it again soon. And uh, I'm Kevin Osi from Mike Clark. Uh, thanks for listening and keep the shiny side up.